Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yes. Hey, everybody, how are you doing? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast with me, your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We're here with a very special guest. That's right. It is Ashlyn Rose from the latest episode of Game Nights. Hello. Hello. How's it going, Ashlyn? It is great. It's been a long time since I've seen you all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> super, super long time. <laughs> Most every day at the office. <laughs> uh, today we are, well, the new Game Nights came out. If you haven't seen it, disclaimer, you should watch it first because we will be spoiling things that happened in that episode on the show today. Yeah, if you haven't watched the episode, stop this right now. Go watch it, then come back. That's Unless right. Unless you don't care if we spoil the ending, in which case, follow right along. Well, let's spoil it right now. Yeah, this this deck <laughs> kicked our butts. This deck won game nights. I wouldn't say kicked our butts. Yeah. It was a very fair fight, I think, towards the end between your deck and hers, and there was a lot of stuff going on. But I think in the end, the uh, the value engine of this deck somehow surpassed Rune. Kicked our butts. <laughs> I mean, it did take like a unified effort from like the three of us to get Rune yeah. off track. Unfortunately, <laughs> you had drawn enough cards by then yes. to kick our butts. Uh, so Ashwin played a Kozilek, the Great Distortion deck, which we will be breaking down tonight. Uh, also, is this is our first ever colorless deck on the show. Yes, and okay. there's a lot to talk about actually because colorless is very interesting. Not many colorless decks existed prior to Wastes, yes, which is a new basic land type. Um, but first. We're going to talk about a lot of great cards today, and you may be interested in purchasing one more, if not many, of these cards. You can do that by going to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That is our affiliate link. All you have to do is type it into your URL browser, and then boom, that's it. You're on Card Kingdom. Order away, and you are supporting the show by using that link. Yes, you're going to buy Magic Cards anyway. Use the affiliate link when you do. Mm -hmm. You're just getting free gravy of our content sticking around. Another one of our awesome sponsors is Ultra Pro. They create all the very awesome things that... Protect your cards, mm -hmm. spice up your battlefield. Actually, they are your battlefield a lot of times because they're your <laughs> playmat. Ultra Pro makes really awesome stuff like the Eclipse Sleeves, Heavy Metal Dice, those awesome Relic Tokens, so many cool things. So while you're at cardkingdom.com slash command zone, look for some Ultra Pro stuff or, you know, anywhere you are, Ultra Pro's all over the place. And the last way to support the show directly is at patreon.com slash command zone. Your donations there go directly to helping us make all of our great content from game nights to the command zone to the new merchandise we are doing, as well as we get to see the new game nights episode a day early. So everyone got to see our butts get kicked a day early. <laughs> I, I hope that was awesome for everybody. In uh, fact, uh, we also call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Chris Rodriguez. Thanks, Chris. Chris. You yes. rock. Yeah. Okay. Also, very important. Um, that, oh, yeah. A couple of announcements. Well, one, Ashlyn was on an episode of Game Nights with someone named Jacob. And Jacob, he's not a part of our normal Game Nights crew. In fact, he was a fan of the show that auditioned to be on it. And right now, right this instant, you also have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. We get asked all the time, I would love to sit down and play with you guys or be on the show, be on Game Nights. This is your opportunity. All you have to do is join our Patreon and uh, all the info is there. You can audition. We've got a couple weeks left. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're going to be choosing from the big pool of people who have sent in auditions already. Yeah, it's a uh, big one. Another fan to come on the show. So, yeah. Awesome. Jacob was awesome. 
I know was. somebody out there will be awesome. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of the people that auditioned the first time around are going to be auditioning again. And yep. that's, you know, so. I'm an actor. I audition a lot. And sometimes you don't get it the first time around. So thanks to everyone that is doing it again. Uh, the second announcement, until March 31st, we have another piece of merchandise on Kickstarter. And it's a limited time sale. So if you do not participate, Ashton was actually integral in helping us getting <laughs> it all together, putting some of the graphics together. It's the Game Nights token series. 10 different tokens. You're going to get four of each, and they feature some of your favorite game nights on the cards in, uh, I don't know, characters and, and worlds that represent them. Yes, Jimmy is a goblin token. Mm -hmm. I'm a soldier. We've got Cassius Marsh as a beast. It is really awesome stuff. The cardstock is very high quality. Again, the Kickstarter link will be in the show notes. And it is a Kickstarter, so it's a limited time offer. Once the Kickstarter runs out, we're never printing them again. If you want to get a hold of them, go over there right now, lock in your order. Lock it in. All right. Okay. Well, let's talk about Ashlyn's deck here. Yeah. Ashlyn, would you like to read who Kozilek, the Great Distortion, is? Absolutely. Okay. Where is it? Okay. Found it. Kozilek, the Great Distortion, um, when you cast, do I go with, do I sword creature? Oh, yeah. Do it okay. all. Okay. All right. So. How much does it cost? Kozilek, the Great Distortion, cost eight uh, colorless and two waste. It costs 10 total. Uh, it's a legendary creature, Eldrazi, 12-12. Very important. Um, when you cast Kozilek the Great Distortion, if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. It has minutes. And discard a card with converted mana cost X. Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. Wow. That's a lot of text. <laughs> a lot going on with this card. Yeah. Um, of first of all, things. eight diamond diamond, so eight and two colorless, that is a requirement that a lot of decks have trouble with. It also means something interesting for this deck because of the way commander color identity works. This deck cannot have any mana symbols of the colored variety on any of its cards. Nope. At, none. The, so, the, like, that's kind of nuts. And like Jimmy said, I think before Wastes, it, people would try it, but it was very difficult to do. Yeah. But in uh, Battle for Zendikar, they created a new basic land type called Wastes yes. that tapped for colorless mana. And that kind of opened the, the possibility to decks like this. Yeah, because otherwise you'd have to use just a bunch of weird utility lands that didn't actually do anything, and some of them would have to come into play tapped, and you would just have a weird janky mana base. But with Wastes, that made it much more possible. Um, let's talk about a couple of things. First off, 12-12, you said that number is important. Why is that? That is because that is 12 commander damage that'll oh, yeah. be coming at you. So it only takes about two hits to uh, KO someone. Yeah, and it has Menace, which means it needs to be blocked by two or more creatures. So it's actually very hard to block. It's giant. Yeah, commander damage actually very relevant, as you will see in the Game Nights episode. For the first time on the show, I believe, someone was knocked out by a commander damage. Yeah, very true. We had 25 episodes, and finally somebody <laughs> died to commander damage. It makes sense, though. Yeah, it's a 12-12 with Menace. So it's going to get in there. It's I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. When playing against this deck, I would recommend the first time it swings at you, don't just take it. Even yeah, if you, you, you can't. Because you don't know what's going to happen <laughs> later where it gets where they sneak it in there. Yeah. So if you have the opportunity to block it, even if you got a chump, just don't take that 12 commander damage because you're liable to die to it later. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the second part of text here. Okay. Discard a card with converted mana cost X, counter target spell with converted mana cost X. Now, this type of effect on the creature is really hasn't been seen before. It's very weird and odd to have an activate ability where you can discard a card to counter another one. Um, and not to mention, you're going to get a full hand with Kozilek every single time you cast it. So it's not necessarily going to get you the win, but it is going to help you secure the win, if that makes sense. And after all, you do have a 12-12 menace on the battlefield, which, well, helps <laughs> out quite a lot. I'm honestly surprised because with like an effect like that, I would have like expected there to be like a an activation cost as well, like uh -huh. pay to discard and a card discard or something. Card. Yeah. yeah, 
that seems like it would have been a lot more. Uh, I mean, it's very powerful to turn the cards in your hand into force of wills. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what it does. Not exactly, but it feels like that. And like you said, you're going to drop to seven. Mm-hmm. So the card advantage necessary to sort of keep that up is there on the card itself. Kozilek's the full package. Yeah, he really does. It's what? or They? I think it's they. Yeah. yeah. Well, Emrakul's a she. The mother. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know about the other two, though. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, you kind of look at them and they're just, I don't know, my brain starts to get all funky and twisted. Yeah, it gets distorted. I look a little too long and I'm like, yeah, I, <laughs> go I shake myself out of it. Um, let's talk about where this deck came from, actually. When you emailed me this deck inspiration, I was actually very surprised. I didn't realize that was the origin. So you want to talk about why you made this deck in Commander? Oh, absolutely. So I love Eldrazi. Um, back when I started playing Magic was around 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I had like primetime and stuff and then Zendikar came out. So that was my first like standard block where I really got into playing standard and I played Eldrazi Green. Ah. Uh, so I've always played Eldrazi for the most part. Modern, I play Tron. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just the type of deck. I like playing big, powerful creatures and repping to get them out. Yeah, so the Eldrazi Green deck back in M10 Standard got to play a couple of cards that we don't get to, which is Primeval Titan. <laughs> yes. uh, Primetime to get these things out, and Eye of Ugin, which is now banned across Mattern. <laughs> yes. um, and Summoning Traps, too, to get Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, which also we can't play, and Ulamog, the Infinite Gyro. Hero. Deer? Gyro? Gyro? No, I just like thinking it's one of those things you eat <laughs> it's like a little at thing. Pita Pit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... <laughs> Also, I will say that you have, I mean, does your love of Eldrazi also span to your cosplay? Because you have cosplayed Nahiri, who I think has a very key part in the Eldrazi story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely have cosplayed Nahiri. I like the Zendikar story in general. And like, I, it's sad what happened, but it's a very interesting yeah. part of the lore. Well, hopefully we'll get to see. Uh, well, we did get, by the way, in the War of the Spark, uh, like glass windows, Soren is there. I saw that. So, you know, I guess he made it out of the wall. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Um, do you want to toss this paper? It's a tradition. Yes. Oh, yeah. One, two. It made it. Yeah, it, made it. It's it made it off. It's not on the table anymore. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about playing a deck like this in Commander. The practicality, I think, is a little bit tough. So let's talk about the downsides before we get into the actual deck tech. Lands. So before Waste, like we already talked about this, there were no lands that really produced. You can't play any lands in this deck that produce colored mana. That means none of the cards can even have a colored symbol on them. Um, fortunately, though, there are finally a lot more colorless lands, as well as lands that specifically, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but back in the day, Soul Ring, when you tapped it, it just said add two with a little circle around it, and now we'll show Diamond Diamond as specifically adding colored mana, colorless mana, which is a little weird to understand, but you go through all the lands in Magic's Past, as well as the Waste, you have actually a decent number of lands you can finally play with. Um, you want to talk about card draw? Because... I think this is very similar to a mono-color deck. Like, if I'm playing mono-red, I really have access to no card draw outside of what I might find in colorless cards. This deck can only play colorless cards. So card draw is kind of limited, right? Yeah, there's not a lot of opportunity for card draw. I mean, Kozilect himself mm-hmm. itself will draw you cards, but aside from that, I don't think I have very many cards in here yeah. that are actually going to help me draw into more things. It's purely ramp and removal. <laughs> so... I mean, luckily, when your commander has card draw on it, like Kozilek, then you always have access to card draw. So Just you don't... at 10 mana, which is kind of crazy, right? Right, which, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second, but there's a ton of ramp in this deck, which totally makes sense. Because generally, you don't want to overload on ramp in a deck uh, because you risk drawing only ramp and nothing to do with all the mana. Right. But you don't risk that in this deck because you can just cast your commander, yes. right. which you're 
you know, you don't have to like hope you draw it. You always have access to it. And so that kind of evens out the fact that there's tons and tons of ramp. Yeah. And I mean, not something you should rely on, but if, when you're playing four player commander, there's also like the other decks usually have some All sort right. of card draw in it. I can rely on Josh Lee Kwai to reliably draw me cards. <laughs> I'd say 25% of the time. In exactly. Commander. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens that someone's going to have a howling mine out. Um, you or Vinny, honestly. Um, and finally, removal, right? Another like key thing about magic is that there's not that many options for single target removal. Uh, especially not in the, in the cheap ways. We always talk about Path to Exile yeah. and Swords. Like, it's so cheap. It's just one mana. You don't get that option when it comes to Colorless. So, again, the, the very important part of having so much ramp. Yeah, the way that Colorless is balanced in Magic is sort of away from efficiency, right? Because if they make, like, a super efficient catch-all removal spell in Colorless, oh, yeah. every, de every deck would just every play it. Every single deck would play it, yeah. Uh, so they, they have to naturally cost that stuff a lot higher. So you've got cards that are just not efficient. So that is like a big tough thing about the deck, right? Yeah, there's like we have Scar from Existence here and that's they cost seven to exile one yeah. permanent. At least it's exile. Thank yeah, goodness. But still, like, it, eh, you don't want your removal necessarily costing seven. seven that's, mana, that's a yeah. weakness, I'd say, of, of the deck. Something. Yeah. Another reason to have a ton of ramp, though. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, well, let's talk about these weak points below and, and sort of see how Colorless deals with those problems. So there are 24 cards in this deck <laughs> dedicated to ramping in some way. Seven of them are lands, four of them are creatures, and two can also substitute as card draw. So let's talk about what uh, the more impactful, unique ramp that's specific to this kind of deck. First up, we have Eye of Ugin and Eldrazi Temple. Um, now, Eye of Ugin and Eldrazi Temple both kind of do a similar thing. Um, Eye of Ugin lets you cast colorless Eldrazi spells, cost two less. And Eldrazi Temple allows you to spend two on it, sort of like a Temple of the False God. Uh, and you can spend this mana only to cast colorless Eldrazi spells or activate abilities mm -hmm. of Eldrazi. Um, the Eye of Ugin also has a nice ability where you can use it to search your library for a creature card at seven mana. But these both are the very unique two Eldrazi decks because they specifically sell Eldrazi. Um, and then there's also Spawning Bed, which is a card that I didn't really think about when I saw this deck. Um, it's a six mana. You, I mean, it's a, it's a land that taps for one colorless, but you can also tap it for six to sack it. And you put three 1-1 one, one Eldrazi Scion creature tokens, and they all are able to ramp you because uh, you can sack them to add one to your mana pool. But in terms of land, that's like... That's kind kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> Ancient Tomb we saw do yes. really good work on Game Nights, which is a, a, a rampy land. Yeah, and Temple of the False God, obviously. But again, those are lands that every other deck can play. But it's like decks that the colorless deck absolutely have to play. Otherwise, you're going to be at a pretty severe disadvantage. Yeah, I mean the Eldrazi lands other decks can't play. You have to have enough you, Eldrazi, yes. yeah. yeah, to do it. I mean, you have to have an Eldrazi as commander, kinda right. Like because yeah, you're not gonna have twenty Eldrazi in your deck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we want to talk about the artifact ramp we have here? Yes, we have things like Unwinding Clock, um, which is going to let you untap all the artifacts you control during every other player's untap step, which is going to help you when you're playing all your artifacts for like your mana rocks and whatnot. Yeah, there are 10 targets for Unwinding Clock in the deck, um, as well as many targets for Josh Lee Kwai's absolute favorite card <laughs> of all time. My favorite card, huh? So Paradox Engine is in the deck. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the front runners for most powerful card in the format, I'd say. It's so that good. any deck that can run that's going to run this amount of ramp, and a lot of it is mana rocks. Uh, Paradox Engine is just going to be crazy, especially with Kozilek and the ability to draw you cards to sort of keep going. Yeah, Paradox and Engine, I should say, and for those that don't know, five mana artifact, legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanents you control. All yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah. It also allows you attack pretty freely with a lot of the big creatures in the deck and not worry about the crack back. 
just because you'll know you'll be able to untap them. Um, now, this is actually a really interesting card. It's Geode Golem. It's a five-mana artifact creature golem that's a 5-3 with Trample. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you may cast your commander from the command zone without paying its mana costs. What's great is that it's specifically cast. Right. And there's a cast trigger on Kozilek. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I didn't... I put this in the ramp category, even though this card doesn't technically ramp you, but a 5-3 has, a, I think, a really high chance of honestly hitting someone I mean, for some trample. damage. And the trample, it has yeah. trample, right? Yeah. I and think that's technically ramp. It's going to add 10 mana. Yeah, right? <laughs> and refill your hand. Yeah, so. and refill your hand. Yeah, pretty good for a 5-mana creature. I mean, like, there are a lot of different ways to get Kozlik out before turn 10 or whatever, um, and Geode Golems seems like a really interesting way of doing it. Um, if you guys are watching the video, this is the stack of ramp cards in the deck. That's a thud. That's a lot of mana Hefty. ramp. <laughs> That's, I mean, a quarter of the deck is yeah. ramp. Yeah. That's a ton. That is a ton. Um, a really good way to build decks in general if you can get away with, get you know, if you can guarantee enough card draw because having the most mana on the table is kind of the biggest indicator of who's going to win a game of Commander. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're able to cast other card draw spells in the deck. So, yeah, like you said, there aren't many ways to draw cards in this deck. So let's take a look at Kozilek's, I guess, prior self. So we have Kozilek Butcher of Truth. It costs 10. Um, when you cast it, you draw four cards. Um, it has Annihilator 4. And it also has, whenever it's put into the graveyard from anywhere, you shuffle your graveyard back into your library. Yeah, that's actually really important. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But Kozilek is, I think, in a lot of ways, can be more strong than your commander just because you're guaranteed to draw four cards. Yes. In Game Nights, there was one point I think you cast your commander and you only drew like two cards off yeah. it. Because you drop, um, you have to drop to seven. Yeah, and Annihilator Four, uh, that is no joke. Annihilator is just great. <laughs> yeah, Annihilator Four, that's one swing, and they're probably done. I mean, that's like a quarter of their permanence, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, another one is Oracle's Vault. I like this card a lot. It's four mana for an artifact. You can pay two and exile the top card of your library. Sorry, pay two and tap it, exile the top card of your library, and until end of turn, you may play that card, and then you put a brick counter on Oracle's Vault. Then once it has three brick counters, you can just tap it and exile the top card of your library, and then you may play that card without paying its mana cost. <laughs> Whoa. So this starts off as being like two mana impulsive draw, kind of outpost siege. Mm -hmm. And after you've done that three times, then it's just tap and play the top card of your library for free. Yeah. Which in a deck that has a bunch of huge Eldrazi and things, once this gets three brick counters on it, I've seen it in not you know just this deck, but many decks. It's the scariest thing on the battlefield. Well, that's like the it can Zendikar... represent just ten mana or something. Yeah, that's the Zendikar Resurgent, right? With yeah. with uh, Paradox Engine out because you just keep going off exactly. with it over and over again. Um, not to mention, yeah, it's a ten mana investment. You are uh, a lot of times I would say that this card is harder to play next because the two mana activation cost actually ends up being a lot. But not but when you have twenty four ramp spells, yeah, you don't <laughs> I think care you'll so be much. okay. Yeah. Um, and then we have Tamio's Journal, five mana legendary artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, investigate, which means you create a clue artifact token on the battlefield that costs two to sacrifice and you get a draw card. But more importantly, you can also tap this and sacrifice three clues to basically demonic tutor. Mm -hmm. So this card itself has a tutor built into it as well as has card draw. So these are sort of, I mean, kind of your limited options when it comes to card draw. I, obviously your commander does a great job of it as well, but the fact that you don't really have that many options and they all cost a lot of mana right. goes a lot to say why ramp is so important in this deck. I mean, I think it's just good smart deck building because people will you know, quote our numbers to us. Like, we want 10 card draw spells, right. 10 mana ramp spells, 
but there's a reason, right? Like that's in an in an just your average deck. If co- if your commander's going to draw you cards, then you can push the ramp up real high. Yeah, and and take the card draw down because again, there's a difference between hoping you draw something and guaranteeing you have it. Yeah. How many times did you recast Kozilek in game nights? Oh goodness, I want to say at least three times. Yeah. So you were getting up to fourteen, uh, maybe even sixteen mana to cast your commander, and every time it was like, yeah, I got this. Whomp, exactly. Tap all the lands. <laughs> So that was actually very impactful to see. It was a lot of fun, actually, to watch. Um, before we keep going... Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Before we keep going, we're going to take a short break to talk about some sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back and we're talking about Ashlyn's deck from the most uh, recent episode of Game Nights. <laughs> it's Kozilek, the Great Distortion. So we're going to go to uh, a category we alluded to earlier. It's single target removal. Yeah, and none of it is cheap. No, it's not Absolutely at all. none of it. Um, so we talked about Scour from Existence. It's a seven mana instant to exile target permanent. Now, the text on this card is great, but the seven mana cost <laughs> is very prohibitive. In a deck like this, though, you kind of need to do whatever you can to do that. And I found that that's where WotC balances this out in terms of play design. They put this kind of effect at Colorless around six to seven mana. Um, like this wonderful Planeswalker. <laughs> this is my favorite. Uh, Karn Liberated, which also costs seven. Uh, you can plus four him to uh, exile a card from a player's hand. Uh, Gosh, minus four. <laughs> three to exile target permanent. And no one uses the final one, let's be honest here. Have, yeah. Has anyone seen? I have, but it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> really? How long did that game go? A long time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Essentially, you take everything he's exiled, you restart the game, and you get all the things that Karn is exiled. Yeah. Restart the game. Yeah, no restart the game. <laughs> it's really underrated that he can sort of come in with 10 loyalty if you just plus him. Yeah. It's yes. just, there's a lot of boards where there actually is good attacks on him, but it still won't kill him, and that's the worst. Yeah. Um, another removal spell here is Duplicant. It's six mana for a 2-4 shapeshifter. But it has imprint. So when duplicate enters the battlefield, you can exile target non-token creature. And then as long as a card is exiled by duplicate, its power and toughness becomes the same power and toughness as the creature it exiled. But the big thing is you just play this as a six mana spell that exiles a creature. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously it's good if it's an 8-8 or something, so the duplicate's big, but you're really just using it primarily as a removal spell. Yeah, and you already have a 12-12 commander. Um, again, at the seven mana cost, we have destroying target permanence, not exiling, and that's Meteor Golem. It's a 3-3 that costs seven mana, and it's a creature when it enters the battlefield, you destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Unstable Obelisk, which is three, and uh, you can tap it for mana, or you can pay seven uh, to destroy target permanent. Yeah, so you sacrifice the Obelisk and destroy target permanent. So again, like all of these, as you can tell, six or seven mana, that's just sort of the baseline cost that you have to get to in these kinds of decks. Um, And we also have uh, a card that almost, (laughs) I mean, had this thing kept going, I think this actually would have taken over the game faster than anything else. Yeah, yeah, you played it in game nights. It's Lux Cannon. It's four mana for an artifact. You can either tap it to put a charge counter on it, or you can tap it and remove three charge counters and then uh, destroy target permanent. But you don't sacrifice the Lux Cannon when you do that. So 
what you it's sort of like the normal play pattern is you know the first three turns you put a charge counter on it the fourth one you you blow something up but it does interact well with things like unwinding clock and paradox engine which allow you to just quickly put a ton of counters on it and then blow multiple things up um or just you know one rotation of the table maybe you're blowing something up yeah which becomes very very powerful yeah this is a good card if you have uh the synergies for it and again in a deck that's just sort of hurting for removal, even just playing this and not having those other synergies, at least it does give you the possibility to interact with problematic stuff. Yeah. And again, like when you play a commander that's that has the ability to counter stuff, that doesn't directly win you the game, right? You still have to be swinging in with it and killing stuff. So your games may go longer as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have cards like Energy Chamber that just add charge counters to stuff. So <laughs> on target non-creature artifacts. So like, yeah, there are a lot of synergies there for that to work out. And when it does, it, the impact is very powerful. In fact, I remember playing my guys create a lot and, and remember being like, oh gosh. That Lux Cannon is just going to go off and <laughs> almost guarantee destroy one of my permanents because I have two problematic ones oh, on absolutely. the battlefield. That is one good thing about a lot of this stuff is it will hit permanent. Like, they're flexible. They're expensive, but Scour from Existence yeah. and Lux Cannon and Unstable Obelisk will destroy, like, you know, most lots of different right. card types. Most it's not things, just, like, yeah. creature. Or enchantment or artifact, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, now let's go on to Mass Removal. Again... The, now this category isn't hurting as much uh, and and actually we see a lot of these cards being played in the lob decks as a result steel hellkite is a giant dragon and more importantly you can pay x to destroy each non-land permanent with cmc x whose controller was dealt combat damage by steel hellkite this turn so this is the kind of thing that can crash in in the air as a six as a five five flyer uh, you can pump it and then it just is able to pay an extra cost afterwards. And you can really specifically target a lot of things. Usually I found that three mana is the sweet spot for this. As it gets rid of a ton of ramp, important creatures, and well, generally just terrorizes the board. Ashlyn, you must really like that card because I remember uh, you <laughs> killing us with Steel Hellkite the first time you were well, on that's game. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that is right. I think it was at my recommendation. I was like, you should put Steel Hellkite <laughs> yeah. in this deck just because it's powerful. And I was like, okay, sure. We'll see if it works. <laughs> it works. Turns out it did. I'm playing a pirate deck, but Steel Hellkite should still be in there. Yeah. <laughs> Worked it's out. Pirates like dragons. dragons. It right? wrecked yeah. me. So I they're like, they're yeah. looking up. It's like, it's like a ship in the air with wings. <laughs> Uh, next, we have All is Dust, which costs seven. Um, and it's each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. And that's great because I'm a colorless deck. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to sacrifice anything. Right. And you don't have a single colored permanent unless yeah. you somehow, yeah, you just don't have them. Um, yeah, that, that card seems super good. Yeah. Plus, um, One-sided board wipe. That's your Cyclonic Rift. That yeah, is your exactly. Cyclonic Rift. And when you have like um, Eye of Ugin or the Eldrazi Temple, it actually costs less as oh, well. Oh, it's a tribal sorcery, yeah. Eldrazi. That's right. Um, and then, of course, we have these cards are played in the lob decks, which is Oblivion Stone and Navinural's Disc. They're both artifacts that come in. You can pay a um, a specific cost to tap it, sacrifice it, and basically blow up everything. Um, and, of course, because e- destroying permanents wasn't enough, we have ways to exile them as well. You use this first one in the you game. Use them. Both got used. Yeah. Uh, Perilous Vaults, which is four. Um, and you can pay five to and tap to exile Perilous Vault and exile all non-land permanents. That's an absurdly powerful board wipe. Exiling all the non-land permanents on the board. It's really good against a deck like Rune. It's really good against a deck that any deck that wants to look into the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for Ugin the Spirit Dragon uh, that Jacob referred to as Eugene on the show. Now, this one's even more flexible. I think Ugin may be one of the best cards in Commander just flat out. Oh, it's, the versatility is amazing on it. Yeah, every time we've seen it in game nights, it's just been a house. It's eight mana for a Planeswalker, has seven loyalty. Plus two, Ugin deals three damage to target creature or player, so lightning bolt something. Minus X, though, and this is the one that gets used the most. Exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. 
that's one or more colors. So once again, it's one-sided because you don't have any colored stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it exiles. And you can even pick and choose a little bit like, you know, I'm going to negative four it and leaves a five drop around for, you know, right. a friendly player if, right. I, if, you know, if that situation comes up. And Nugent comes in with seven, which means you can use it for seven the turn you play him. Um, and it's not that untenable to think that Ugin's going to also get to ulti range because as soon as you uh, plus him up once, he's just one loyalty away. And he's just, I mean, like his ulti, if it clears the board, gives you a really good shot at building it back up. Um, now, one of the categories that you wanted to talk about on the show is discard slash graveyard matters. And it's interesting because uh, there are two Eldrazi in here that have a trigger that when they hit the graveyard, you basically shuffle your graveyard back into your library, which allows you, uh, in the show, we saw Burnished Heart get cast off of Jacob's Villainous Wealth because it got shuffled in by the Kozilek. Um, But you also have cards like God Pharaoh's Gift, Seven Man Artifact. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile the creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. It gains haste until end of turn. And it doesn't get rid of itself as well. A lot of these kinds of effects usually says exile the creature at the end of combat or sacrifice at the end of your turn. Nope, God Pharaoh's Gift keeps it around. And it's very good with Annihilator. Yes. So like, if you're able to ramp this out and and pitch something like a Pathraiser of Ulamog or any of these uh, numerous giant creatures, even a card like Mirror Battlesphere, right? Like they it's all still going to create the mirror. Still has yeah, the effects. Still going to yeah. have the effects, and it's just going to do a lot of damage if it's because it has haste. It's going to be able to come in. I think that's the one thing that I'm never ready for. Is like, oh, you have Annihilator. Okay, I have a turn to figure it out. Right. If you give a hasty creature Annihilator. hasty Annihilator, yeah. Oof. Even yeah, well, plus now. it gets the text box. So if yeah. it's an it that betrays, then it's gonna still get oh, the yeah. text box. Yeah. If it's a void winner, then it's still gonna shut off a lot of their spells. Uh, you know, you don't have to attack with it or whatever, too. Like you could just be like, "Well, I just want the ability." Right. It's gonna exactly. do the thing. It's yeah. Be good enough. Um, and you use this card to great effect in the show too. Yes, it's a land. It's a buried rune. Um, you can tap it from one colorless, or you can pay two and tap it to sacrifice it and return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. And you have a lot of artifacts that people want to blow up, yes. which is important. Um, or, I, or when I'm discarding as well. Right, to counter spells, right? So a Kozilek obviously wants you to discard things to counter stuff. And then if you need to reshuffle some of those cards back into your library, all you have to do is discard a Kozilek or an Ulamog pending your opponent playing a spell that costs that much. Yes, and who does that? Are you sitting there being like, <laughs> oh man, I hope somebody plays a 10-drop so I can put this in the bin and then yeah. I can God Pharaoh's gift it out. Pretty much. Play a 10-drop somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly that was, we all played enough big cards for that to happen, which is very sad. Um, now all this stuff in consideration, this deck still needs to win. Uh, although I think anyone that is watching this show will agree that we have already stated probably more than enough win conditions for them to go like, oh yeah, there's plenty of ways for this deck to get there. But let's just talk about some of the more impactful ways to do it. This card I love. It's a game that's winner on its own. <laughs> Planar Bridge. It costs six. Uh, it's a legendary artifact. Cost eight and you tap it. You search your library for a permanent card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. There are turns where you can just do this on the same turn, right? 14 mana, that's not that big of a deal. No, ex- ex- especially with like the high casting cost we have in this deck. It's very, yeah. very easy to do. Especially if the first thing you get is Paradox Engine, then you cast a spell, untap it, and the Planar Bridge, oh my and God. then you're yeah. just going off, right? Like That's what Planar Bridge is super scary, I think, with a deck that has Paradox Engine in right. it. Right. Because the ability, and then play Kozilek, draw back up to however many to be able to keep casting spells and activating Planar Bridge. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a super powerful play. 
Well, it seems powerful too because you just give your opponents zero time to breathe. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. as soon as it starts happening, you because there are so many commander games that come down to, hey guys, we have one turn cycle to get rid of this, and everyone's usually able to cobble together some kind of answer. But if you're able to go out that fast out the gate, it just seems incredibly problematic for everyone else. Also, like you said, like this allows you to put an Eldrazi into play on the end step before your turn, right? Immediately on top with it and be swinging before. Yeah. You know. Really, people can adjust to the fact that there's like a, a annihilator on the table, basically. Yep. And with all the annihilator, we have it that betrays, which is a 12 drop Eldrazi. That uh, the main text here: whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. This also steals fetch lands. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just completely shuts him down unless you want to give me land. Yeah, it steals a lot of stuff actually. It that betrays. I've I've found it just has giant impact because there are a lot of cards that force you to sacrifice it in order to do something with it something that's interesting about it that betrays that i've seen come up a few times it does have annihilator too also so it mm-hmm. works with itself right it attacks mm-hmm. and then you trigger and that opponent has to sacrifice two permanents which if they're not tokens you're going to get them it doesn't care where the token or where the sacrifice thing went so it'll get right. their commander if they sacrifice it a lot oh, of people think right. like oh i can sacrifice that. and put it in the command zone it the betrays says nothing about it dying or where it went. It doesn't care. You just get. Uh, it says whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. So don't sacrifice your commander to it. Yeah, sacrifice it in response to it that betray being cast or cheated out. Yeah, but that's um, that really stinks because in general, one of the things you are willing to sacrifice to annihilator is your commander because right, it's not can. loss of a card. You're gonna get. You're just going to still have access to that thing. Yeah. But with it, the betrays, you can't even do that. Well, and we always talk about like, oh, have a sack outlet for your commander so you, people don't steal it and all that sort of stuff. Oh, boy, that's pretty rough. Um, hey, Josh, <laughs> you want to read this card? Oh, that's a, that's a cute one. So uh, this is <laughs> Blightsteel Colossus, 12 mana, artifact creature golem. It's an 11-11 with trample and infect. Also, because that wasn't strong enough, it has indestructible... And yeah. if Blightsteel Colossus would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, you reveal it and then shuffle it into its owner's library, which is a little different than Kozilek and Ulamog in that you only shuffle the Blightsteel, not your entire graveyard. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, obviously, the big thing here is that it's Trample and Infect, and it's 11-11. So unless you can stack block it, you're going to die, and then, you know, what are you going to do next turn? Yeah. It, yeah. And we say this, it's usually not the first swing of Blightsteel that kills you. It's it's definitely the second Unless somebody has swift foot boots or lightning greaves, as it were. Yeah. And, uh, Turns out if you give it haste. Yeah. And yeah. plays Pretty it good. on like turn six. And, or like uh, a whisper cell cloak esque effect, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, not to mention we have all sorts of other just game winning Eldrazi in here, which is definitely on theme, right? You play one of these monsters, people have to deal with it immediately. It's the same that when you play like massive against, uh, once the card cost gets above seven and eight, they are most often must deal with cards. Um, and we saw just how powerful Void Vunor was on that, that board state. I literally couldn't cast anything in my hand between Gaddic Teague and Void no. Vunor being out. So it was such an effective lock, though, because that's sort of the sort of effect that you can't really build your deck around, right? You can't be like, well, in case my opponent plays a Void Vunor, I should probably have less even-cost mana spells in my deck. That's just not a plausible thing to do. So it, it, it's like going to, like Josh said in the show, shut off 50% of people's decks, which is incredibly powerful if you, th- if you think about it, just for one card. And on top of that, one of the things we realized in the game, which I actually didn't consider before, but with Kozilek, he has Menace. Yeah. Right. So And with Void Winner, you can't block with odd oh, number. Oh, right. With even, 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 even yeah. CMC yeah, yeah. creatures. So if a creature costs four mana, Void Winner means it can't block. So it's already hard to block Kozilek, and then you turn off 
maybe half their blockers and all of a sudden <laughs> that's what killed jacob yeah uh, because he had two blockers knew that like i can't take one more hit from kozilek or i'm gonna die so i'm always gonna leave two blockers back didn't foresee the void winner coming right, out right. and that cost him yeah that's a that's i mean I don't well, know how you prepare for that or see that coming. Right? Well, not to mention, right, because you can't cast even CMC spells, then you only have to discard odd ones to counter stuff with Kozilek exactly. as well. So then you can actually start safely playing those cards out of your hand if you really want oh, to. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah play my even CMC spells, mm -hmm. hold back my odd ones because there's just I, less stuff. I my know that's what's going to counter the stuff, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of countering things with Kozilek, let's talk about the spread of the cards in the deck. Was this something you thought about when building it was like having a, a nice even... Or, or covering certain numbers more? Or is this just like, well, I'm going to get lucky. And if I get lucky, that's good. I honestly didn't think I'd be able to counter that much. I thought it was like a nice upside to the card. Yeah. And, that, and then you counter like 17 things. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just so happened that we all were playing big spells, right? Like, yeah. No, she countered a six drop from me and an 11 true. drop from you. Well, and... she does have six six drops in the deck. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, though, I think that a lot of people that watched the episode didn't realize is that there was a good amount of luck that went into you being able to draw the right stuff to counter things, exactly. right? Exactly. It has to match the CMC. It's not like I'm just like discarding anything. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you got to draw a lot of cards, though, by casting the commander like three times. So I think that, you know, it wasn't all luck. Like the, yeah. car the card lets you draw cards. That's going to, the yeah. more cards in your hand, the higher chance you're going to match the CMC of the spell that's being cast. Yeah. And honestly, I probably should have tapped out and, and played my Marshall Coup for 13 instead of getting greedy, knowing the fact that cards like Ulamog and Pathraiser do exist in the red 11, right? Because 13 is just a much awkward, more awkward. Honestly, if you cost. look at her, if you look at her list though, and we have broken it down by how many uh, she has at the one drop, two drops, so and so. There's two 11 drops and one 13 drop. So even mm -hmm. if you went for 13, you weren't upping your chances yeah, that was, much. Yeah, not that much. It still could have happened. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but the the deck really focuses the most in the four, five, six, seven area. Uh, there's nine four drops, and I think if you actually go through and look at magic's history there are incredible amount of cards like glenelendra oracle of moldiah at the four drop slot that are very powerful and that countering those are actually like being able to do that more consistently i think is actually right so i think without even realizing it the deck sort of built itself onto that nice curve and and most decks i think top out around seven or eight and you don't have that many eight drops but you do have seven seven drops so you know you get to stop stuff like elish norn and mm -hmm. those crazy powerful cards Good, good to have some redundancy. <laughs> um, we should mention, because this was a very common question that was asked on the last game nights, if your spell has X in it, the CMC in your hand is equal to X is equal to zero. And or then in your library. Too, in your library, library, right. But when you cast the spell and decide the amount for X, you are actually changing the CMC of it. So a Void Winner was out, and I decided to pay nine for X from Marshall Coup to make it 11. When I cast it, you first determine those costs, and then you're going to check if Void Warner will, will allow it to happen. So that's something that's a—it's definitely a, a niche rules interaction. But it's good to know if you guys are trying to play around Void Warner and stuff. It's important for like Mizix decks too. We've yeah. talked about this in the past because of that. Yeah, X is a X casting cost in a spell is a weird interaction. But when it's on the stack, when it's placed on the stack, then X is calculated into the CMC. Everywhere yeah. else, it's it's zero. Yeah. So Ashlyn. Thoughts about this deck and how incredibly powerful it is. But is there, at the same time, let, yeah, I yeah. think actually pretty balanced. Like you've played it obviously more than just on the show. Is there anything about, like, how would you advise somebody to play against it? I mean, honestly, when you're playing against it, you want to just blow up all the, the ramp and the artifacts. Right. Just like, make it so you can't get up to, a high, so it's slow. Like you're not casting Kozilek until turn 10, 11, 12, basically. Exactly, because the faster I ramp, the faster I'm going to start playing my bombs, so... 
the best thing is just to get rid of the ramp or right. prevent as much of it as possible. You're kind of like a Gatling gun that starts to yeah. charge up. It's slow at first and you're like starting to take a couple of hits. But once it really gets going, you have to neuter it and stop it there. Because I think another big thing is if you get rid of all the ramp and you only have like four or five lands in play, I've seen this happen to a lot of players, well, you can't even recast your commander because right. it costs two more. You, I mean... There is enough high CMC in the deck that could get to the point easily where, like, you got an Ugin, an Emrakul, an Ulamog, and a Blightsteel in your hand. Can't do anything. Can't do and anything. you're just sitting there, like, living off the top of your deck is not, like, you draw land, you're still three turns away. But if you don't draw lands, then you're never casting that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. I think also, like, you have to be careful with your removal. This deck has so many, like, bomb after bomb after bomb that it's really easy for me to exhaust removal out of people's hands and uh -huh. then just keep playing heavier things as well so. oh i see so you have to kind of know what you're going to be up against right yeah like, like maybe this isn't as big of a problem as that void winner that's going to come later or that planar bridge that i know i have to get rid mm -hmm. of seems like there's a lot of decision points because of the ability to counter spells too how do you handle like holding cards in your hand so you can counter things versus playing things out I think it's honestly like figuring out like what you have in your hand and what your out's going to be to win the game. Like I had Paradox Engine in my hand, but I was like, I also have Unwinding Clock in my hand and that's cheaper mm -hmm. and that's going to work better and I can counter with that. So I might as well get rid of that instead of worrying about the combo. Right, right. And you also smartly com uh, countered my Survival of the Fittest. Um, normally, I, when you have a counter spell and someone tutors for something, you wait to counter what they tutor and not necessarily the tutor itself. Because um, not that many cards have like can't be countered on them uh but you smartly got rid of the one that had the repeatable activatability because obviously i could just keep searching mm -hmm. stuff up and that was the one thing i was starved on which was cards that i couldn't play on my hand so i'd have to go to my library to find them instead huh it's a pretty sweet deck it's a very sweet deck yeah it's actually making me kind of want to make a colorless <laughs> deck it's fun and i don't think it's overpowered like it doesn't have like all of the like like mana vault or um Oh, you're building it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it doesn't have... It, it's. I feel like it's pretty balanced for the most part compared to other decks. Yeah, I mean, obviously it runs Soul Ring, but a lot of the ramp is at the 3-4 slot. And like you said, it's it's a deck that in a way can be a glass cannon. I always find this about Animar too, exactly. right? If you just get rid of Animar enough times and don't let that engine build, then sometimes you're stuck with just these massive Terastodons and things in your hand that you just can't cast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you could usually put Crypt, Vault, Grim Monolith... Yeah. Exactly. Get super crazy and be doing the turn three Ugin stuff. Yeah. Not but here. Vandal Blast, guys. Vandal Blast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Vandal Blast would wreck me. And it's in red. So you know I'm playing it. <laughs> All right. To the listeners, what do you guys think about colorless decks? Have you built your own that you'd like to share? Or have you faced one across the table? Do you feel there are any other inherent weaknesses to the color restriction? It is, it is tough to build these decks, right? Your options are very limited. Yeah. Yeah. But it that actually can be a lot of fun. It can free you up to, to like play some cards you wouldn't otherwise play. Yeah. It's like a little puzzle trying to figure out like what works and maybe like if you want to do a different theme, trying to figure out how to build that theme mm -hmm. with the limited card pool. How often have you gotten full Tron out with Urza's Tower, Mine, and Power Plant? <laughs> Not at all with this one. I've had like <laughs> one or two maybe, but the dream is to get all three someday. Yeah. You do have an expedition map in yes. there. And, and <laughs> still like, that's like having one extra one. <laughs> yeah. But in a, in a singleton format when you're playing three lands in a 99 card deck, probably pretty hard to get it out. But I'm glad that the dream is there. Uh, <laughs> all right. We talked about a lot of cards today, and a lot of them are very powerful. And look, they're colorless. They can go in any commander deck. Would you look at that? If you want to purchase any of these cards, because you're going to be buying cards anyway, make sure you go over and over to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. That's our affiliate link. Just type in that URL or click it. It's going to be in the more info box below the video. 
And honestly, that's all you have to do. There's nothing else outside of that, outside of just, you know, go buy the cards that you want to when you're on Card Kingdom. And they'll know that we sent you, and that's going to directly help out the show. Yeah, and when you get those awesome cards for your decks, you're going to want to keep them protected. You're not going to want them to get damaged or beat up in any way. And the best way to do that is to put them into some Ultra Pro sleeves. Yeah. Uh, they also have really cool, like, themed background sleeves for all the new sets that are coming out. So I'm sure mm -hmm. War of the Spark stuff is on the way. Oh, keep an man, eye out I can't for that. Wait. Yeah, Ultra Pro stuff. Always looking sweet. So many Planeswalkers. Exciting. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Ashlyn, you are the guest today, which means you're up. <laughs> All right. Um, so what I wanted to talk about actually was a app I recently found. Um, mm -hmm. And it's I have a lot of anxiety, especially in public. So it's called Mood Notes. And what it mm. is, it was developed by um, two therapists, um, two psychologists. And it uses CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to kind of track... Um, each day it'll ask you, you know, how you're feeling and then, you know, what, what's causing maybe your like current mood and it helps you kind of like break down what's going on at that moment to like trigger those types of feelings, even, even if they're good or happy. Oh, wow. And then you kind of pick and then it like tells you about different like traps that are easy to fall into, like, you know, um, positive, um, like de declining positive reinforcement or, uh -huh. um, trying to predict what people are going to think or say. So it's just a nice little app to kind of let you take a step back. See, figure out what's going on and figure out how to rethink a situation that you might oh, be in. That's really neat. I actually like that a lot. Um, what's the app called again? Mood Notes. Mood Notes. I know you were nervous coming into <laughs> uh, recording this podcast today. Um, is that something that you use like in this situation? To sort of, it, it just helps you like, I guess, take a step by step process by looking into what caused something or it felt made you feel anxious in that moment. Yeah, exactly. So like, you can be like, I'm trying. I have a podcast and I'm really nervous about it. I'll be like, what's your mood? And it's like, what's your trap? And so it's like, um, do you have an intolerance of uncertainty? And it's like, oh, I see. What's another way of thinking about that situation without that trap? And so it makes you think like, how can I avoid thinking like that? Like going down like a path that is hard to come back from. Right, exactly. It's sort of like one of those things where like, you know, I've had anxiety attacks before where things start compounding on itself. And then and then after a while, it feels like you, you can't even escape from it. Right. Because you've given yourself eight reasons why you shouldn't be able to escape from it. Yes. You just get trapped. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's cool, too. Uh, I have imposter syndrome sometimes, uh, which is oh, yeah. you feel like you do not belong in the current area because you're like, I'm not worthy of being here. I'm not a professional. I'm not this. I'm not a real actor. I can't tell you how many times I felt that when I was doing Milan. So that's really cool. I'll, I'll make sure to check that out. Uh, as well as you guys all out there. Um, I am a big fan of anything mental health related. So that's great. Thank you for sharing. All right, something else that you should check out. It's not an app on your phone, but you can find it on your phone. It's yes, the right. Masters of Modern Podcast. They are sister podcasts. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, friends of yours as well, mm -hmm. Ashlyn. Mm -hmm. They talk about modern uh, and all things competitive magic. You can find them on iTunes, on Stitcher, podcast-related apps. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them at collected.company right next to us. Our uh, editor for the show is... Oh, Josh know. Murphy. Josh Murphy yeah. and maybe Ashlyn Maybe Rose. Ashlyn, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're going to have to edit yourself. That's <laughs> <I'm> crazy. <gone. laughs> wait, Ashlyn, wait. if you haven't heard, has been helping us out yeah. here uh, doing some editing. She works on our thumbnails for uh, 
I think a lot of people have noticed that our thumbnail <laughs> thumbnail game Quality. lately <laughs> has gone way up. Well, that's because of her. So my favorite is still the one with you as a Super Saiyan, Josh. Like, oh, that was <laughs> <great>. <laughs> I was just I like the bling through. one with you and oh, DJ. Yeah, DJ. That like, one is sweet. That was really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you guys appreciate Ashlyn's thumbnails, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ashlyn Rose, um, on Instagram at rar. It's Ashlyn, and on Twitch at twitch twitch.tv slash Ashlyn underscore Rose. That's right, and you do some sponsor streams for Magic the Gathering Arena as well? Yes. Very cool. Very, very cool. And of course, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. He does the living card animations that adorn us behind us. Um, just so you guys know, it's two TVs turned sideways. If you want to find out more about that, we did the behind the scenes. We get that question all the time. <laughs> Are those green screen? I got that ass all the time. It's Is not green screen. It's oh. television. Could you it's imagine television. the We're render ruining. times? Oh my gosh. You would just have to sit there and render a three-hour game with a green screen behind it. That would be... Yeah, and, and chroma nightmare. key at that distance, you might get a little bounce back. It yeah. would be tough. Um, yeah, it's just a lot simpler to do the TV. So anyway, Big there, the TV. everyone cares about that answer. Secret is out. It won't matter because the people who ask that aren't listening right now. That's true. So, That's a good point. They're actually yeah. typing the question in the comments. They didn't answer the, the question about the cool windows. We're actually on Ravnica. Yes. Or wherever this is. In the middle of a thousand year storm. Yeah, it's Ravnica. That's rough. That is rough. A thousand years, man. That's what it's like to grow That's up in what Seattle. That's what I was going to say. You beat me. <laughs> Totally in the- <laughs> oh no way! You took it. Well, I was gonna say uh, Portland, but same thing, Pacific yeah, Northwest, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right around the same area. <laughs> All right, Ashlyn, thanks so much for coming on the yes. show. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for kicking our butts. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. <laughs> you were undefeated on game nights. That's right. I think not one to brag, but <laughs> yeah. I, are you? I think you might be the only player with two or more games that's undefeated. Like who has played in two or more oh, games? Oh right, that's right, undefeated. right. Yeah, because yeah, Melissa has one game on the sh- on the channel right now, and she's right. undefeated. But that's one and zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're better at magic than Melissa Detora. How's it feel? <laughs> wow. I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Good judge. You I heard it here, man. everybody. Yeah, Ashley you heard it here. She is better. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, I love you. You're great. Uh, all, right, all right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>